I've raced all over the world. I've been on the U23 national team. I'm a four-year varsity letter winner at Wisconsin. I said, in the sport of rowing, guess what? I have never taken a competitive stroke in my entire life. You know, <laughs> make yourself indisposable. <laughs> Welcome to The Other Three Years, a show for anyone who has an Olympic-sized dream they want to turn into a reality. Hi, and welcome to this week's episode of The Other Three Years. This is a super fun episode. I had my national team teammate and men's eight coxswain for the past two years, Jimmy Catalano, on to talk about his life and coxing and so many things. So Jimmy is a super accomplished coxswain and athlete. He is an alum of both Greenwich Crew and the University of Wisconsin men's rowing team. He's a three-time national team member. He was on the 2021 U23 team and has been the coxswain for the senior national team men's eight the past two summers. He also coxed the course record in the men's champ eight at the 2022 head of the Charles which I didn't ask him about and I'm really regretting because that would have been awesome as we're almost at this year's head of the Charles. So we might have to have him on for part two, but it was a super fun conversation with Jimmy. He had so much to share and his wisdom really went beyond just rowing and coxing. Like all of his advice was just life advice. And it's crazy how much of what makes you good at a sport is really just what makes you good at life and what makes you a good teammate is just what makes you a good person. Like it, it really hit home with me the way that Jimmy would talk about certain things was just how to be a good person, how to find success in the world, how to overcome setbacks. And it was all true for coxing and rowing, but it was just also really true for life. But Jimmy shared what a coxswain's job really entails and how you balance the tricky task of being part coach and part athlete as a coxswain. We just talked about his journey, how he got to where he is and what lies ahead. Jimmy's now an assistant coach at Northeastern University. So we talked about the balance between coaching and his own athletic career and a lot more. So it was a super fun conversation and I hope everyone really enjoys it. But before we get into that, here is an update on what's going on with my training right now. So I'm a little bit late in doing this week's update. So it's actually Wednesday of the week. This comes out in just a couple days, but it's been a good week so far. This past weekend, I went and raced at this kind of interesting dual style race in Tuxedo Park, uh, New York, which is just outside the city. And it was called the 1886 Regatta. And it was really cool. It was a uh, invitation, eight scholars, eight men and eight women. And it was dual style. So up to three rounds of racing. The race was 1,886 meters long. Yeah, it was, it was fun. I had, uh, you know, some good racing, some fine racing. Um, my teammate Savannah won, which I know that uh, that was probably... A really big win for her and well earned and I'm I'm really happy for her and it was really fun to see, you know, a lot of my friends and teammates um and get a lot of people back together and the people that put the race on that live in Tuxedo Park were so nice and it's so nice of them and amazing of them to be supporting American rowers at this level and it was really cool. So it was fun. It was like a celebration of rowing and there were a lot of cocktail parties and that kind of thing. So it, um, it kind of jump started the week cause it was on, we did a full Saturday practice, went down there, 
had a cocktail party, did the racing on Sunday, had another cocktail party, drove home, got back at like 1130 and then just jumped into the week of training on Monday morning. So definitely a bit of a, of a jumpstart to the week, but Monday was a little bit rough. Um, happy to be through that and have gotten a few more good nights of sleep. Um, to feel, feel good back in normal training now. This week has been good and just kind of trying to get some base training in, doing some longer pieces, definitely feeling like, you know, fitness is coming back. This is officially the first week of training back from the world championships for the U.S. national team. This is the first week that we received like a workout schedule and that kind of stuff. So it definitely feels good to like be back, be on the road to the things we want to accomplish this year. And there's a lot of work to do, but I think when you take it in bite-sized chunks, it's, it's more manageable and honestly more fun. So yeah, this weekend is just kind of a chill weekend. And then next weekend we've got the big head of the Charles. So it's all, it's all fun stuff. It's definitely fall. The weather has certainly changed. We are wearing more clothes to practice. I like fall though, so I'm okay with it. And honestly, we had a very long summer this year. I was in Florida and then California and then Italy and then Princeton and then Italy. I feel like it was 85 degrees for like seven months. So a little bit of chilly weather actually feels kind of nice if I'm being honest. Yeah. So that's basically what's been going on, but things are good. I got to tall Stewart's coffee right here to fuel me through the rest of my day. And yeah, feeling good, feeling good. So now it's time for my conversation with Jimmy Catalano and I hope you guys all enjoy it so much. Yeah. Let me know what you think. Hi, Jimmy. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast this week. Hello. How are you? I'm good. This week I have Jimmy Catalano. Are you from Greenwich? Like, did you grow up in Greenwich I am. also? I was He's from, born and raised in Greenwich. He's from Greenwich, Connecticut. And then yeah. he rode at Wisconsin. And he's now uh, coaching at Northeastern and also has been the coxswain for the men's eight for the past two years. Yeah, Jimmy, I thought we could just start with high school or like whenever you got because Greenwich has middle school rowing right so when did when you got into it kind of how you got into it yeah so I ended up in uh rowing I used to play a bunch of um different sports but I played soccer primarily for pretty much my whole life and I tried out for the Greenwich high school soccer team uh 100 kids tried out for a 20 spot roster and I fully got cut and I was pretty devastated uh (laughs) you know (laughs) In, 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 in my world, uh, my life was over. But so, yeah, so I, you know, didn't really know what to do. I knew I still wanted to play sports. And uh, my mom basically urged me. One of her friends and her had been doing, like, a learn to row. Uh, none, no one in my family had rowed. I didn't even know what it was. Uh, but basically, she urged me to go try out for the team. Because at the time, Greenwich Crew had been doing their tr- uh, tryout process after the Greenwich High School sports were done because they knew that there were going to be kids that um, got cut. It's funny, now the sport has gotten so popular, it's actually reversed. Uh, so it's kind of interesting. So um, I walked down there. I didn't really want to go. I actually tried rugby for like a day because my brother played rugby. I hated it. Uh, I walked down there and basically, yeah, I started rowing. And then pretty much leading up to the first race, which was the head of the Houstonic, we're going to that race. No one had like chosen to be a coxswain yet because they were just cycling everyone through. And my coach basically asked me, he said, you know, um, 
you know, you're kind of a smaller guy. Uh, we think you'd be good at this coxing thing. You know, could you try it for this first race? If you hit it, you never have to do it again. Um, and that was, you know, almost 10 years ago now. So <laughs> kind of the, you know, kind of trajectory was past that point. So did you row like also that season or did you then just stick with coxing? No, I did. I, I, I have never raced a competitive race in my life. Uh, which I always find very funny. Um, I did that first race as a coxswain and that was it. I, I've rode and, you know, I, I've taken out small boats before um, and I've been in eights before, but I have, I, I always have this joke, uh, you know, when I was graduating from Wisconsin, they had, the seniors always got to say stuff, you know, when they graduated. And one of the things that I had said was kind of this idea of, um, you know, making yourself indisposable in life, no matter what you do, it's, it's a powerful tool. And I said, I've raced all over the world. I've been on the U23 national team. I'm a four-year varsity letter winner at Wisconsin. You know, I I'm, 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 want to be on the senior team at the time I wasn't on. And I said, in the sport of rowing, guess what? I have never taken a competitive stroke in my entire life, you know, make yourself indisposable. <laughs> you know, I always just think that's kind of funny. You know, obviously it's, it's a little bit arrogant, but I think it's kind of funny. <laughs> so we do have some listeners of the podcast who don't row. So do you mm -hmm. think you could just give, I think I've explained coxing before, but obviously because I normally row in non-cox boats, do you think you can just give like a <laughs> layman's tour of yeah kind of what what your role is because um, it's really cool and I think people like yeah think that you guys just kind of scream but that's obviously yeah, exactly. not not it I think um, for someone you know who doesn't know anything about rowing or maybe has like you know a soft knowledge of it um, I always say that a coxswain is a position on the team um, that is a very in-between uh, place it's it's very in between a rower and a coach you still have you know kind of the role of being an athlete you're still with your you know, rowers and, and you're in the boat and you're racing, obviously. But then you kind of have this, you know, tread this line of also having the knowledge and the kind of taking what the coach says and reiterating it to the team. Um, and then kind of at the end of the day, your voice is the only voice that's heard during a race, right? So you really tread that line very finely between the two roles. Um, and, you know, sometimes you're too far one way and sometimes you're too far the other. It's kind of, kind of the, the name of the game, which is quite fun. Um, I always compare it to like a horse jockey in racing or, you know, an F1 driver, you know, it's kind of the same premise of there's a bit of this kind of different role or different aspect of having kind of power around you or power kind of moving you th from point A to point B. And, and you're kind of, I always like to say coxing is a very, um, the way to really boil it down is it's just very high level decision-making. You know, you're making decisions about steering, you're making decisions about race plans. You're making decisions about what you're feeling in the boat and, you know, how you'd like to fix something or how you want to get more of an athlete. You know, you're kind of juggling all those roles at the same time. So I think, I think that's the best way to describe it, you know, to someone who has no idea what it is. There's many, many different facets of what it does. At the end of the day, one of, you know, even at the senior national team, and I, this, I learned this, you know, right before I went to that first rate at the Hesutonic, Husatonic, your number one role is safety, right? So that's in that that's from you know novice coxswain in middle school to you know the the senior national team coxswain because you know you've got eight people in your boat who are not looking the direction the boat is going. So yeah, like safety is a huge part of it. Uh, athlete kind of energy and athlete direction of power and athlete you know kind of centric uh, relationships comes a lot from coxing as well. Um, and so you know it, it's. I know it's a little bit of a long-winded answer, but as you know, it's it's there's a lot of things to it, right? It's not just one thing that I do or any coxswain does. No, it's definitely like a pretty all-encompassing role. I feel like you talked about one thing that 
I personally feel must be really challenging. And I also feel like is pretty pertinent into just like life in general. So I'm wondering if you have any kind of moments that like stand out from, you mentioned kind of towing the line between being like an athlete and a coach and you don't have to be super specific, but I'm wondering if there's any moments where you kind of really were experiencing that and maybe you crossed the line and, and had to come back and how you sort of have learned over the years, maybe how to balance those two things in a more productive and effective way? Yeah, it's definitely tough. I had points in my, you know, rowing career that I I, I have gone, you know, one way or the another uh, a little too far. And I think it's about I think maturity and and being very in tune to the different moving parts to the situation, right? So, you know, when you're in the boat, you're an athlete, you're racing, you know what's happening. I think that there are definitely times, especially when you're younger, uh, there are definitely times where maybe athletes are kind of maybe they're off direction or they're you know they're they're they've lost sight of what we're doing or, or maybe you have to say something that isn't you know the most popular opinion right like you, you make a decision to to redo a drill right because we didn't do it correctly and you know like 16 17 year old kids will be you know kind of a, oh why do we have to do that again so you know but but then I think you know you shouldn't distance yourself so much because there's so much power and so much um, strength and speed to be found in in that connection of trust, right? So your your athletes, they want to get in the boat and they want to know you're going to do everything in your power to make the boat go fast, right? So if you're just completely separating yourself from the crew and and just being a coach, you, you you lose that trust and you lose that sense of you know you know relationship that kind of you know happens between a coxswain and a crew. And then on the other side, you've got that, that, you know, that coach's relationship, right? You, you sit and spend a lot of time speaking with a coach as a coxswain, you know, way more than the athletes do, whether it's you're sitting on the launch or you're just chatting after practice, before practice, all that kind of stuff. And you have to remember that they're not in the boat, right? And you have to remember that they want the best, they, you know, you'd hope that they want the best for the boat. Um, and so you can't distance yourself too far from them either because, they're going to help you get maintain or they're going to help you, you know, achieve the success that you're looking for. Um, and so I think I, that is a good question. And I think it's something that you navigate. I, I still navigate to this day. Right. And I think, you know, once you kind of, you know, you'll be on a, you'll be on a high school team and then you're on a college team and there's, you know, more athletes, more coaches, you know, another team there, maybe not another team there. Then you go onto the senior national or you U23 team. You've got three weeks to do that with a new coach and, you know, 10 new athletes. And then you go to the senior national team and you throw in different boat classes and, you know, it's, it's, it's something that I still work on all the time. And it's not just like, ah, I've figured it out and that's how you're going to do. I I think that's a really, really good thing to highlight because it's something that really isn't talked about that often. And so I think it's just something you keep working towards as you uh, continue to navigate your, your career, if you will. I think it's similar. My next question is, I think similar. And also like you touched on transitioning from high school to college, like, I think one thing that rowing is pretty cool about, or like I've always thought it was cool, like it's very, you know, black and white in a lot of ways. Like, you know, for rowers to get recruited to college, there's numbers and race results. And obviously there is some sort of abstract stuff, but for coxswains, like, I mean, of course you have race results, but how do you like go about the whole process of of stepping up be it like 
from a 2v to a 1v or from high school to college yeah. or on the U23 <laughs> team? Like, how do you make yourself stand out and yeah. like, be memorable? Yeah. Has it changed? That is, I don't know. I, I, I think that is that is definitely like the million dollar question. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I get asked that a lot. Um, and I think, yeah. you know, I think at the end of the day, it's it's a lot of hard work, right? And I and I always tell people that from the outside looking in, I think that sometimes things that have brushed comments that have somewhat frustrated me sometimes it's just like, oh well you just got handed that or you just you fell into this. And it's like, no, it took a lot of work and it took a lot of rejection, a lot of failures and a lot of figuring out the wrong way to do it, right? I always like that. It's like you figured out the wrong way to do something, you're smarter now, you know. Um and I think mm-hmm. overall, you know, how do you make those steps? I always say like you have no, like you said, there's no number, right? There's no out of 10 or a scoring out of 100 or a letter grade that goes to a coxswain, right? So it's super subjective. And I think that how do you, I always like to think of coxing in, in all, like, especially when you're on a college team or a high school team, kind of as like a little bit of a stock chart, right? And so you've got all these coxswains or maybe you've only got a few or you got a bunch, but you know, you've got a stock chart, right? And so you kind of have, you can have these ups and downs throughout the season. And I think it's it's the idea that like, you are on a path, you know, trajectory up, right? So like maybe you, you, you're showcasing throughout the entire season that like you're reliable, you're safe, you are trying to get better and you are trying to, you know, expand your knowledge about rowing. You're trying to connect with the team. It's, it's many different kind of little things that you can work toward that showcase to the team, to your coach, to yourself, to the athletes that you're the right person for the job. That's kind of what it comes down to. It's not really like, oh, you know, Jimmy's really good at steering and we're gonna, it's, are you the right person for that crew at that right time? I always kind of think about that in that sense. And how do you do that? There's there's many different ways you can kind of showcase that. Um, I always like to say one thing that, you know, is super kind of gritty about coxing is, is um, you're gonna make mistakes constantly i make mistakes every single day and if you're gonna say you don't then you're lying because like i said you're a high level decision maker and so and everyone makes mistakes every day but you are making very profound very you know highlighted decisions during the day and sometimes they're going to be wrong and it's very easy to highlight when those are wrong because it's that's what you're the only one talking you're the only one steering you're the only one whatever and so i always say that it's okay to make mistakes it is it is 100 a part of the job Sometimes it sucks. Sometimes it sucks when you made a bad decision and your coach is getting into you and the guys and you know your athletes are getting frustrated. It's not easy. It's not a fun part of the job. But what I will say, and one really keen thing that I think you know coxswains can utilize to showcase that they're getting better is acknowledging that they made a mistake, learning from it, and showcasing to a team or a boat or a coach how you're not going to do that again. And that's such a such a profound way to to showcase how you're getting better. And it's like. You, you PR by five seconds on an erg test, it's super easy to showcase, oh, I'm, I'm faster, I'm better. I, I did better on my 2K on the water. But there is no number, like I said. And so owning up to it, learning from it, and not doing it again, because doing it twice comes off as, you know, you're not learning. It's coming off as you don't care. Well, maybe that's not true, but that's just perception is reality, and that could be what someone perceives you as. So that's always where I start with coxswains on a grand like scheme of things in terms of like, how do you get from the 2V to the 1V or how do you make the national team or how do you, that's a really good place to start because it, it can encompass a lot of different aspects of the sport on land, on water, all around. It's, it's, it's a really good way to think about things. Yeah. 
I mean, I feel like that's just good advice. I mean, it is <laughs> like, but yeah. I do think that one thing that you said is so true. I mean, and we're all guilty of it, but like everyone thinks that other people's paths were easy. Oh, it's yeah. so easy to see people like online or on social media or just yep. like hear about people. And you're like, oh, they just got that because of whatever, but everyone had to work hard. <laughs> like, I don't know. I yeah. feel like that was the thing yeah. that I like learned most about being on the yeah. senior team was like, oh, nobody made it right no. away. It wasn't easy for no. anybody. Um, no, gosh, no, yeah. not at all. <laughs> and so as soon as you kind of stop thinking that, you're like, oh, okay, I yeah. do have to work hard. I do, I will yeah. fail forward or whatever. Um, what are like some of the biggest kind of like mistakes you think that you see coxswains making either just like in their coxing or yeah. in trying to get noticed or whatever. yeah yeah i think um you know first is definitely the like mistake thing and not owning up to it i think that's that's pretty especially for someone younger i think it's really hard to to own up to that i think that another thing that i always talk to coxswains about um is especially when i'm working with coxswains who are younger and not even it's it's all different types of coxswains but i always say that i should be able to like listen to your recording right and it shouldn't just be in the middle of the 2k i should be able to like pop into your practice you know sit in your boat you know in the 25th minute of you know your steady state piece on a tuesday whatever and i should be able to sit there and listen to you coxing from your voice and I think that that's really important because the, the the role itself is very much so trial and error and learning on the go. There isn't really a good way. Like you can't sit there and do arms and body over pausing drill to try to get the hands around the back end pause. That's something you can do constantly, constantly, constantly. You can roll on the square for a while. Then you can roll on the feather. Like there are very specific drills that you can do that help with different parts of the stroke. There really isn't stuff like that on a grand scale of things that you do every day as a coxswain. So... Yes, you are going to go listen to recordings online, or you are going to listen to your coach, or you're going to listen to the varsity coxswain when you're, you know, the 3B coxswain or whatever it is. And you're going to learn from, you know, your surroundings and the situation, all that kind of stuff. That is completely 100% a part of the, the, the role. What I will say, though, is I don't like when I listen to a coxswain and I, and I can hear immediately they're trying to imitate or they're trying to be something that they're not, right? And there's so many different ways to be a coxswain. And I don't like this narrative that like you have to be this or you have to be super calm or you like you just have to be you in the boat and and produce the best, you know, possible outcome that you can. And the best way you can do that is coxing from your own voice. And like I can listen to recordings and I can know right away because you can listen to people in conversations and know right away if they're actually talking from their own voice and if they're you know really passionate about what they're saying and if they're speaking freely and they're not hindered by thinking, am I going to say the right thing and all that kind of stuff. And so I find that that is a big misconception about when people are coxing is that you have to put on this role and you have to, I think you have to have certain qualities that sometimes maybe you need to kind of dial up a little bit like confidence and kind of just calmness. That's, that's all things that are great, but like I should listen to Jimmy's Coxon recording and it's like, I should be able to be, have a conversation with him later in the day and say, Oh, that's, you know, it's the same person. Um, I think that because trying to do something, pretending to be something that you're not is extremely difficult. And I think that is a huge misconception. And 
that I mean, that's also true for life. I think a lot of these are you know, kind of <laughs> <laughs> narratives that continue on past coxing, but I, it's just something that I always start with, um, especially with younger coxins when they ask me for advice. Like it's it's really easy to uh, to do that. Um, I think the other thing that I like I, we talked about earlier in the conversation is just like making sure you tread that line, you know, the between the coach and the coxswain, like it, it, it's kind of like a fish line where you're like, you're kind of going through it like a fish and you're going back and forth because you go too far one way, you lose the trust of the coach, you go too far the other way, you lose trust of the, the athletes. So you just kind of have to sit there and, and, uh, and, you know, be you and, and, you know, trust your gut. And that's kind of, you know, those are the mistakes that I, I generally see in the beginning. All coxing advice is apparently life advice, <laughs> which I, I guess so. Like. Um, so in your own like career, athletic career, how kind of far ahead were you thinking? In high school, were you just, I'm enjoying my time as part of this team and then it'd be cool to Cox in college and then kind of transitioning to the senior team. Like how did that all happen? Cause I know you had like just graduated when yeah. you started Coxing the senior team last year. Um, and it's obviously a bit of a different, I do want to get into like coaching, um, but maybe mm-hmm. answering, answering yeah. like that first. And then. I, I, I definitely struggle from imposter syndrome quite, quite frequently. And so I kept kind of finding myself in situations where I was like, oh, this is kind of wild. Like, am I supposed to be here? And so I, I, yeah, I think that's I true for everyone. To, Oh yeah, 100%. <laughs> um, and so I think that when I was in high school, I loved being out on the water. I really found the role of coxing just made sense to me. I find it really cool when I can find something that like works really well in the way that I like process things, right? When I was when I was really really young, I had like a processing issue in terms of like like reading. I couldn't figure it out. I can read now thankfully um but i i really struggled with that and so i think for me and i was really embarrassed by it when i was a kid um and so i think for me when i can like really click into things that like i know my processing is is right on it's it's really it's kind of like finding a passion right it's kind of like that's something that generates kind of interest and keeps you excited and that kind of stuff and so for me when i was in high school it clicked like it just really being out on the water steering motivating an athlete, working with a team, managing a group of people, like that really is the way my brain works. And I really, really enjoyed that. And so I think from there, this, this opportunity of getting recruited to an athletic, uh, to a school for athletics, when I was a kid was way, like, I never thought about that at all. It never crossed my mind. And it towards my junior year, I realized it was a possibility. And so I basically, you know, was like, okay, cool, I'm going to do this. And so I worked really hard, basically ended up, you know, getting recruited to a school that I loved. And so, you know, I thought that was awesome. And I was like, cool, awesome. And so at that point, I basically figured maybe I should try the, maybe I could try the U19 team, right? And so I didn't get invited. And, you know, I'm also quite stubborn in some senses. And that really pissed me off. uh, Because it was just one of those things that I always remember just being like, if I just sat in that seat for 20 minutes like I know I could do it you know what I mean I just I like I could feel it I was like I know I could do it so I didn't get invited and that really pissed me off so I basically sat there and I remember just being like okay fine I'm not going to U19 team I'm gonna go make the U23 team when I'm in college and I basically sat down and I wrote down all these goals that I had and I basically figured out like okay if I want to go to the U23 team I need to be like you know do this, 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 I need to talk to these people. And I wrote it all down. 
I think writing down goals is super powerful. And um, one of my coaches from high school kind of like urged me to do that. And it was super helpful and beneficial. But I basically was like, this is what I'm going to do. And let me tell you, like that original list, I had to rewrite it and edit it multiple times. Like it didn't stick to that plan, but at least I had a goal and at least I had a direction to go. And by the time I was a sophomore, like one of the things was like, I have to, you know, I have to be in the varsity eight at Wisconsin if I'm going to get invited to the U23 team. And so when I was in the, I was in the varsity eight, my, my sophomore year, um, and ended up, you know, working with, uh, coach Clark, who basically wrote me a recommendation. And then I went to an ID camp out in Oakland. Um, and I got to meet, you know, coach Tatey and, uh, it all kind of, you know, worked out quite nicely and got a recommendation, got invited to the U23 team in Seattle in 2019. Um, and I was really young and I was super naive and I was probably a little too immature to be there, but <laughs> you, you kind of build the plane as it takes off. And so I went out there. I only got boated a few times. You know, I, I kind of knew I wasn't really going to make it, but I was like, oh, well, it's cool to be here. It's me trying out for a junior, like a U23 national team. It's wild, um, you know, from the kid who got cut from the soccer team. <laughs> and so I ended up getting cut. And again, it kind of pissed me off. I was like, if I just sat in that seat for 20 minutes, I know I could do it. Um, and so then the next year I was like, okay, I'm going to do it again. And I'm going to like figure it out. And maybe like some of the other older coxswains were graduating too. So I was going to be on the older side. Um, COVID happened. So I got invited, but not really. Um, and so that was a bummer. And then my senior year or yeah, my senior year, uh, I got invited again. I went out there, um, ended up making the Cox four and we raced at world's. Um, it was one of the coolest experiences ever. I was like, this is absurd. This is crazy. But again, not being in the eight really pissed me off. Cause I was like, if I can be in that boat for 20 minutes, <laughs> I can do it. <laughs> it frustrated me that I, you know, didn't, I wasn't in the place where I wanted to be. And so, you know, again, you gotta keep working hard. So I went back to Wisconsin for my fifth year. Cause I got a grad degree cause of COVID, um, which was kind of a silver lining of, of all of that. Cause that's again, something that I never thought I would have ever had is, you know, a grad degree in finance or private equity real estate, but finance degree, which I was a poli sci undergrad. And so it's just <laughs> kind of wild to me. I, I was going into my spring of my grad degree year and I was just kind of looking at the thing, like looking at the makeup of the senior national team. Um, you know, the idea that the, the Olympics was a year later now. So it was going to be like graduate Olympics gonna be done maybe there's gonna be some movement in coxswains and that kind of stuff you know what I mean so I was like oh it's good it's a real possibility Yossi you know kind of came into the picture and so like kind of started talking to him and, and trying to figure out you know what what his thoughts were and I didn't know who he was didn't know who was gonna coach it so I was trying to figure out all these things all at the same time um, and then basically in that summer of 2022 um, pretty last minute I got invited to go to the selection camp uh, it was basically that. So Henley happened. I went to Henley uh, as a spectator, came back from Henley. I was living in Madison. I had a job in private equity real estate. I kind of was like, my rowing career is done. Like, whatever. Or maybe I'll try next year. It was kind of like, it wasn't done. But I was, mm -hmm. Maybe I'll try next year. And then pretty much that email came through that was like, you need to be in Princeton on Monday. And I was in Madison working a full-time, you know, real estate job. Okay. <laughs> so um, packed up my entire apartment in Madison, drove cross country, uh, dropped off my stuff at my parents' house in Connecticut. And then we drove off. <laughs> um, and then, you know, I ended up in Princeton on Monday and, you know, speed racing started. And, you know, that was kind of, um, and again, I, I knew it was a long shot. I was like, I don't, I have no idea what's going to happen. I think what was super cool for me was, you know, I got that 20 minutes in the boat. Like I, I did, and I knew it was going to work. 
I remember leaving selection camp in 2022 being like, I have showcased everything to my ability. And I know that like, if I don't make it right now, then I'm not ready to be on the team and I can try again next time or like, you know, whatever. But at least I felt like satisfied walking away that I had showcased everything that I could. And that's something that I hadn't got before. I think anytime I was in different situations, not that it was like, I'm not blaming anything. It's just like, I didn't feel super satisfied with the way that I had performed and like the assessment that I had. And so I think that when I walked away from that, I was like, okay, cool. You know what I mean? And it ended up working out and it was great. And it's just kind of, kind of the way it goes and then made the team again this year. So I I think um, it's again, like we've talked about, it's really, really hard work and you run into a lot of failures quite frequently. (laughs) I did not know about the like private equity job and that's insane. Oh yeah, I, I ended up like sort of quitting. I got to selection camp and I was like, okay, like I can do this. You know, it's not a big deal. And I also was working for them when I had gone to Henley and I just basically didn't tell them. And I was like, um, I'm going to Henley because I have to go kind of stretch the truth a little bit. And it was like, I have to go for this rowing thing, but I'll do all my work. So I would go to the races all day long and then all night I would do my job. And I was really, really tired. And then I got back. And when I got to selection camp, I got there and I just remember thinking like, I really enjoyed private equity real estate and it's maybe something down the line that I'll continue to do. But at the time, I just remember like, I can't do both of these things to the level of that I would want them to be at. And that doesn't sit right with me. And so I had a meeting with my boss at the time and it was like, he was like, yeah, go do that. That this will be here forever. Go do that. Totally fine. They were really, really nice about it. It's just kind of the way it goes. I just kind of thought of this, but like you've worked mm. with some very like noteworthy coaches the past couple <laughs> I've of worked years. With a lot of coach. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> I mean, obviously, like everyone interacts with the coach a lot, and definitely one thing with the senior team is that, and U twenty three teams is that we're like really quick get to know a new coach. You know, you have to like present yeah. yourself really quickly. But how has that kind of been? Like, I'm sure that all of these strong male coach older coaches have kind of different like I don't know what the correct vernacular is um successful like I bet they have different things they're looking for so how has that kind of been like navigating that do you did you try to have conversations with them like really early in the process I mean even starting at my first U23 camp you know it was coached by you know Michael Callahan I I think that the biggest thing that I have tried to do when in these spaces with these new coaches is again like try to showcase who i am as a person what i'm going to bring to the table and at the end of the day i'm not trying to obviously like when you when you work with a new coach and you know you're 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 trying to pick up like the way they run their drills and the way they do this and that's totally fine and you're going to do that and you're going to pick up on that really well but i also try to do this like I think if I try to just adhere to like the coxswain that they want or they want you to be or, or that kind of stuff, I, I just, that doesn't really, it's not really the way that I like to play the game. And I think that if I can showcase to them, like, this is who I am as a person, this is who I am as an athlete, and this is who I am, you know, what I bring to the table. And I think doing that in a very present and maybe not modest, but just not like cocky or arrogant, but mm-hmm. confident. And, and, and calm. And I think that's kind of the best way that I've navigated, you know, so many different coaches because they're all very successful in completely different ways. Like I would not say that this coach was the same as this coach was the same as this coach. Like they all operated in completely different ways. And 
like we've said, there's different ways to coach, there's different ways to cox, there's different ways to row. And so um, it doesn't take away from any kind of success. And I, I think it's kind of the same way as I've always tried, you know, through this whole thing, because it, it's it definitely sometimes is very overwhelming at times, but try to just stay true to who I am as a person and try to maintain, you know, being a good person, being confident, trying to learn as much as you can and, and being being a student of the sport, no matter how high up you end up and having fun with it. At the end of the day, like what we get to do is so cool. And I just, you know, really have to remind myself, not really, but continue to remind myself how, how what we do is super cool. And there's such a you know small amount of people who get to do what we do and, you know, take the moment to, to realize what, what, uh, what, what joys we have and, and what, uh, what the sport has awarded us. A hundred percent to shift gears a little bit, because I am like very interested in coaching and especially mm-hmm. now that you're like, well, I was going to work in real estate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How did um, how did coaching happen, and how have you? How has it been? At the time when I was in the spring of my grad degree year, I kind of had this idea where I was going to try to get a job in private equity real estate, and then maybe see if I could um, volunteer coach somewhere, anywhere. And, and I kind of decided I was like, okay, well, it's either going to have to be Oakland. Austin or Boston. Those were kind of like the three places where I was like, I'll be able to find a private equity real private equity real estate job, and there's good rowing there. And I kind of had this idea where I was like, okay, well, Boston kind of makes the most sense. It's close to it's close to Princeton. It's got many different universities. There's a lot of real estate there. Um, you know, a large portion of my extended and immediate family live near Boston. And so a lot of things just made sense. Like Boston kind of made a lot of sense to me. So I had kind of had been asking around and kind of ended up in these different places. And so I had kind of like reached out to Northeastern and was, you know, maybe like going to do a volunteer coaching. And we had talked to the IRA that year and, you know, that kind of stuff. And then right before I left for for the selection camp, my current, one of our other coaches basically called me and was like, actually, we have an opening for, you know, a new assistant coach. Is that something you're interested in? And I was like, I still have my job in private equity. I was like, I don't even know what's happening. And so I basically um, was just like, uh, can I call you in like a few weeks? I, I, I have to go get cut from the senior national team before. And they were like, oh, well, you might make it. And I was like, okay. So then Alex uh, Perkins, who's the head coach at Northeastern uh, called me and he was like, yeah, like this is something we're really interested in. And we, we, we understand that, you know, coaching is, or uh, coxing, you know, the national team is, you know, kind of your main thing, but we'd love to have you and blah, blah, blah. Ended up working out super great. Like the, the collegiate season and the senior national team season, at least the eighth kind of season um, lines up really nicely. And for me in this new system of, of small boats and, and um, which I think is great. It allows people to, you know, have the autonomy to train where they want and all that kind of stuff. The one thing that really did stand out to me and kind of scared me was like, you expect these coxswains to show up to selection camp on right away, steering, everything. And don't get me wrong, you don't like lose your coxing ability maybe after a few months, but like steering is not something that just like, if you don't do for a while, it's not just, oh, bam. You know, it's, 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 it's definitely a little bit, you know, steering a 57 foot shell with you know guys who are ripping it down the course is not something that just comes supernaturally. So that kind of made me a little bit nervous. And so I think the whole idea of like coaching and getting to see the boat from a different perspective and using different rhetoric and maybe popping in a boat from time to time if they let me um, really appealed to me. So I ended up taking that job. I got back from uh, Worlds last year and I started right away. I went right up to Boston and you know, started working. Um, and it was a great fit. It was it was super super you know 
beneficial use of my time. Uh, I basically would get in boats once a week, once every other week. And, you know, the guys loved it. I, for selfish reasons, loved it because it allowed me to continue coxing at a really high level in terms of ability and athleticism and that kind of stuff. It's not just like I'm jumping in, you know, some master's boat that they're going to just whatever. No, no shame to master's boats. I'm just saying. So I think that was really, really helpful. And um, I feel like it's been really cool because it's allowed for me to, to expand my knowledge of the sport and expand my communication regarding like many different things that have applied well to the senior team. I think being on the launch and having that perspective of, you know, not being in the boat and getting to see the boat from the side and managing a team and, and using that kind of rhetoric has just been so helpful uh, to the broad scale of being on the senior national team. And one of the coolest things that I really enjoy and, and a challenge that it was for me is the the whole coaching aspect of it, coaching rowers wasn't really that, it, it wasn't, super easy but it wasn't it wasn't like super unnatural to me right like i talk about the stroke when i'm in the coxswain seat all day long it's not like i don't know about the stroke and that kind of stuff and i i know what what you're supposed to do what was a challenge for me was actually talking to another coxswain about how to do what i want them to do it's something that i have never had to do before right like yes when i was in college obviously like i'd work with the other coxswains and but like on the water talking to a coxswain about telling them to use their rhetoric to get something out of a boat is something that I've never had to do before. And I thought that was so cool because I was like, whoa, this whole new experience of I'm not steering, I'm not talking, I've got to get them to basically do it on their own um, and coach that into them was was a really cool experience. And I and I still you know do it all the time and it's great. So I think having that experience has been super cool. It keeps it really fresh and fun and, and you know, motivating to, to continue to, to get better. I, I was going to ask you about, like, not coxing for the whole year and then having yeah. to, like, jump in at camp. Yeah. But kind of, like, additionally to that, I feel like a part of coxing is really, like, you are an athlete in the boat. Like, it's a relationship mm-hmm. with the other athletes. And has it been challenging, like we go to so many camps together throughout yeah. the year that you got, I mean, I think you were in Sarasota for what, like two days, like, like so briefly. Days, yeah. This, yeah. Two yeah. days. Like I like, was that a challenge this year or was it nice because you had coached and you didn't have to like balance so much? Yeah. I think that for me personally, I think coaching was really good for me. I think if I was just like doing a normal job, and not doing anything at all, I think that would really make me very uncomfortable. I definitely am very glad that I had, you know, the experience that I had last year, um, just throughout the year. I will say it's definitely very difficult at times. Um, I've had to make many, many different decisions in the last 18 months of regarding being on the national team and trying to make an Olympic boat and that kind of stuff. And most of the time, it feels like you're making the wrong decision. You know, whether that's someone legitimately telling you you're making the wrong decision or it just feels like everyone's in Florida and you know, you're doing this or it, it is definitely really hard and you kind of have to listen to your intuition. But I've learned a lot about kind of trusting your instinct and it's hard, like it's really hard. I mean, I've definitely, I've had people, you know, tell me that doing what I'm doing is not, not gonna allow me to be on the national team. And that's hard. Like you're, tw- I was like 23, you know, just barely made my first national team and I'm being told I'm making the wrong decision. Like that's really hard to overcome. and it's it's it definitely has forced me to trust myself more and kind of 
understand the people around you and, and what they're saying to you and how it relates to, you know, your goals. Um, I've, I've definitely made it work. And, you know, I've had really my two other coworkers, the two other coaches I work with are so, you know, supportive and super helpful. Like last December, I went out to uh, Oakland for like a week and a half. And then I went out to Florida for that time. And then I'm at uh, Thanksgiving, I was down in Princeton. I've made it work. Um, it just, like you said, like we've talked about, underlying theme is it's hard work and it's not always easy. Um, and so <laughs> if that's the theme of our podcast for today. <laughs> I feel like you've obviously talked about being like resilient. And I mean, I know that your guys um, result at Worlds was like not what you would have wanted. But that being said, like, I feel like we can't change the past. Mm -hmm. And yeah. how has it been coming back from that? And like, have there been things that you're like, okay, now this is the path for the year ahead. And these are things that I want to improve upon. It definitely was really hard. Sorry, heavy hitting um, question. Yeah. No, 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 you're so good. You're so good. I, I maybe if you asked me two weeks ago, I would, I would say no comment, but um, I've had some time to uh, think about it and uh, kind of reflect and such. Um, I, I think the, the result at Worlds was, was, you know, pretty, pretty tough. Um, and I think for the most part, I think what was really hard hitting for a lot of us was just like, it wasn't super representative of kind of what we had done like this past summer, uh, which is, you know, not an excuse. I'm not arguing against it. Like the result is a result. And I, that's the way it goes. Um, I just think it, it definitely stung because it just, it was just a bad race. And, you know, that's really unfortunate. Um, but that's the way it goes. And if, at the end of the day, if you look at a, you know, quote unquote, bad race, we're still four and a half seconds out of first. And that's four and a half seconds back is not qualifying for the Olympics. And that's, that's the nature of senior elite level racing. So mm -hmm. it's something you learn from that. I think, um, I think one thing that I've personally learned is just like kind of how you respond in those situations um, and kind of the people around you. Uh, I had, I have really amazing family. I have really great friends, um, really great, you know, coworkers and friends, but they're my coworkers too. Um, and, you know, there's just like kind of the way that people react like in those situations is, is super, you know, telling and very uh, like supportive um, no matter what at the end of the day we're all just people trying to do a goal. And so I think moving forward, we've kind of, we're going to get to race to Charles and I think that's going to be great. Um, I think it's going to be a little bit different. We have two guys who are going to race Pan Am. So we've got uh, some people coming in, but it's a majority of the boat. And then we've had a meeting with uh, Yossi regarding kind of, you know, where he sees the trajectory of this boat. And so, you know, I feel pretty confident um, they want us to race at FOQRs. Uh, and so they're going to kind of select the boat and um, you know, hopefully I can, you know, be in that boat again. Cause you know, I feel like I started something when I was selected in 2022 and it's something that, you know, I'm not finished with. And I think you're presented with these decisions. So is this worth it? Am I done? Is the world over because of this? It, it sucks, but it's, it's, you can either say, yeah, I'm done and this sucks and it's over. Um, or you can like, you, like we've talked about hard work and continuing to try again. Cause the sport, I, I remember someone said to me right after the world championship, they sent me a text and it was just like, this sport is brutal. And I was like, yes, this sport is brutal. And so I think that's kind of like, I, I, I'm optimistic moving forward. I think um, once we kind of set kind of the group that's going to go and uh, to, to like selection and, and kind of go to FOQRs and, and kind of maybe reset and rethink some things, but um, I'm really confident. And I think that hopefully I get another opportunity to be in the boat just because I know that um, it wasn't what I want to showcase. And 
goals for myself personally, I'm just going to continue to try to keep the group and not just the eight. I'm talking people who are in contention for the eight. Obviously, I think it's important to keep the group and the national team in general strong and together and positive. I think across sculling, sweep, men, women, I think it's really important to have kind of a united front um, as a national team because I love going to like the races and feeling like everyone's sitting there like checking their phones and being like, oh, well, the, you know, the double did this. And I, I think it's like, it gives a little bit of like that college, something that I get like that I have at work. It's like that little bit of, you know, camaraderie and that kind of rah-rah that I think sometimes we get away from because we kind of feel like it's a, it's a different, different sport. And it is a different you know, level, but I don't think it's a different sport. I think it's, it's the same sport that you did in college, it's the same sport that you did in high school, and it's just at a different level. And so that's something that I want to do. I want to make sure that moving forward, I feel like I am continuing to put the entire team's, you know, best interest at heart and make sure everyone feels that whether you're in the double, the single, the eight, the four, like we can go and we can, you know, be, you know, this team that shows up to the Olympics um, next summer and, and has a good result and, and can feel like we put our stamp on it and we're successful. I feel like I've noticed a huge change with that. Like, I feel like it's so much more, there's so much more camaraderie now. And I feel like there is just genuine support and yeah. excitement and happiness, which is just so much more fun it's so much more yeah. fun to be in that sphere and yeah. i mean you're right it is just rowing and yeah like we're all just the same yeah little dweebs we were in high school like yeah yeah well we're almost at an hour but is there anything i like didn't ask you about that you you're like she should have asked me that <laughs> anything else i think so i really enjoyed this conversation yeah. Um, the last thing is like, if you have any questions for me, we sometimes do a ask Christy anything mm-hmm. segment. So I usually Ooh. ask people if they have a question. It can be literally Ooh. anything. If or you nothing, could go, fine. no, I've got it. I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> if you could okay. go okay. to any restaurant for dinner tonight, where would you go? I don't know. Actually, I feel like I would go somewhere in Boston and have really good <laughs> seafood. I don't yeah, necessarily fair. know what restaurant I would go to, but because mm. I grew up outside of Boston and yeah, 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 sometimes yeah. I love upstate New York, but our seafood scene is not really it. And not the same, I don't know. No. Where would you go for dinner? Um, I would go to, uh, there's a restaurant in Florence called Gargani's uh, that I went to. My brother was studying a semester abroad in Florence and like me and my family to this day still talk about that restaurant and like. I would probably go there in just like a heartbeat. Like if I could just like be there. Oh my God. It'd be so good. <laughs> oh, I, that's, I need to have an answer like that. Thank you so much. I feel like you had so many awesome things to say. I like, yeah, I feel like people are going to love this. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I had so much fun. And I'll see you at the Charles. Yes. I can't wait. <laughs> Thanks so much to Jimmy for coming on and to everyone for listening. I feel like he had so many great things to say and like I was getting super inspired and motivated during my conversation with him. So I hope that everyone is, you know, leaving the conversation feeling super inspired and motivated and ready to go conquer whatever you want to conquer. And with that, I'm going to leave you for the quote of the week, which I got from a reel my dad sent me on Instagram. So shout out to my dad and Instagram reels. Uh, So the quote was, the magic you are looking for is in the work you are avoiding. So have a good week. Thanks for listening. See you next time.
I'd love to hear from you. So send us a topic suggestion, or if you'd like to submit a question for our Ask Christy Anything segment, head to our website, theother3years.com.